Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities podcast. Each week, one of the four cabinet curators, authors Stefan Bachman, Catherine Catmull, Claire Legrand, and Emma Trevain, will read a tale from their collection of terrifying short stories, The Cabinet of Curiosities, 36 Tales Brief and Sinister, available now wherever books are sold. This week, curator Claire Legrand reads her story, The Tin Man's Price. The Tin Man's Price by Claire Legrand. Mama always says we should never hurt each other, but Mama don't know nothing. She don't know about all the marks on my chest. She don't know what Edie and I get up to in the attic these days. She knows things are going real swell for us all of a sudden, but she don't know why. I think Pa knows, but he won't tell. I think it happened to Pa, too. Edie's always waking me up in the middle of the night. We've always been opposite of the other, like Edie don't sleep much and I can sleep through the end of the world, that's what Mama says. And Edie eats enough for ten people and I eat like a bird. We're opposites, Edie and me. Miss Vickers at school says sometimes that happens with twins. One of you's this way and the other's that away, and together you make up one person. I like Edie, but I don't like us being twins. It's like we were supposed to be one person, but we got split up inside Mama, and now we're two people. It's almost like one of us shouldn't be alive, like one of us is a mistake. So Edie wakes me up in the middle of the night, and instead of going out on the roof to play cards like usual, she says, Someone's here, Tom. I know someone's here. Someone's where? I say. In the attic, she says. How do you know? I just got this feeling. Edie's always getting feelings. Sometimes I think her feelings are real, and sometimes I think she's lying, just because she gets bored and thinks our town's dull as mud. How do you know someone's there, Edie? I just know. Why you gotta be such an idiot? Well, I wish I wasn't an idiot, but everyone says I am, so I shut up. We go up to the attic. Pa keeps his old books up here about geography and outer space and Egypt pyramids and irrigation. Sometimes Edie and me like to sit in the window and look through all these books. They're hard, but we read them anyway. We like to do something that Pa likes to do. We like to impress Pa. Pa don't say much, and Mama says, Thank God Almighty for that. Why'd you want a chatterbox around anyway? There ain't no one up here, Edie, I say, because there ain't. Just dust and boxes and old clothes and Pa's books. Why are you always playing tricks? It ain't no trick, says Edie. Her face looks stubborn, like Mama when she's on a tear. I know I heard something, she says. I felt it. Because I know Edie won't shut up about this till we do it, I say, okay, let's look around then. And we do. Through the dust and boxes and old clothes, out the window and on the roof, under the loose floorboard where we hide our best stuff. Nothing. Nobody. I'm going back to bed, you scaredy cat, I say. Wait, says Edie. She's by the chest, full of our old toys, the ones we're too big for now. She pulls out a tall, round tin, covered with pictures and letters I can't read, because they're old and scratchy. It looks like the kind of thing you might could keep candy in. I ain't never seen this tin before. It ain't one of our toys. It must be heavy, because Edie drops it and it hits her toe. Ow, she says. Then we hear it. What are you children doing up here? What are you children doing up here? Why'd you wake me up? Why'd you touch me? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. 
We should run, I guess, but we're too scared. So we just stand there staring at the tin. It's shaking on the floor. It's spinning faster and faster. Then the lid pops off. It stinks at first. Then it smells good. I don't know what's coming out of that tin, but it's dark and it's slimy like tar, and it's silky and slow like molasses. It looks kind of like a person, but kind of not. I don't like it. Hello, it says, and I guess it's smiling, but it's hard to tell, because its face is made up of globs and cracks. I apologize for yelling, it says, but you startled me, you see. Who are you? Edie says. I want to slap her for being so stupid. We should be running, Miss Smarty Pants, not talking to it. And they say I'm the dumb one. I have many names, it says. But you can call me Luck, because that's what I'm going to give you. Good luck or bad luck, I say. It looks at me. It blinks real slow. When it smiles, I feel sick to my stomach. Good luck, of course, it says. Edie crosses her arms. Oh, she thinks she's so smart. She's trying to be like Pa. How much, she says. We don't got a lot of money here, if that's what you want. I have no need for money, Luck says. All you have to do is follow my instructions. It's quite simple. What do you want us to do? Luck blinks at Edie. It smacks its lips. I want you to hurt your brother, it says. Edie looks at me at luck, and back again. What? I say. That's nuts. Edie, let's get out of here. How much do I have to hurt him? Edie says. And what'll you give me for it? We'll start out small, says luck. A little hurt for a little luck. Edie's thinking fast. I see that look on her face. I got a math test tomorrow, she says, and I ain't studied. Luck smiles real big. A slap will do for that, I think, he says. Edie's eyes light up. Hang on, I say. But Edie's fast. She runs over and slaps me across my face. It hurts. I get mad and smack her right back and it knocks her to the floor. Oh, Luck says. Oh, oh, oh. Then Luck shakes, and then it's not so slimy anymore, like it figured out how to stand up straight. Now it looks more like a hole, just a hole in the attic where there should be wood and dust and boxes and now there's nothing there instead, just a dark spot that almost looks like a person if you squint real hard. That's good, Luck says. Thank you, darling ones. Now go to bed, and when you wake up tomorrow, you'll feel so much better than you did today. I'll pass my math test, says Edie. You promised I would. You'll make a perfect score, says Luck. Then Edie says, and what about Tom? He hurt me, so he should get something too. How clever of you, sweet girl, says Luck. Then it looks at me. What do you want, Tommy Tom Tom? I don't feel right. This don't feel right. Edie's got a red spot on her cheek. My cheek smarts where her hand hit it. But I got a math test too, and I need even more help than Edie does. Idiot Tom. Edie the smart one. Same here, I say. Math test. I want a perfect score. Luck smiles. Its mouth drips. Then you shall have it. Our teachers don't believe us both getting perfect scores, especially not me. They think we cheated, so they're making me do my work on the board in front of everyone. 
And it's like my hand isn't my hand and my brain isn't my brain. And soon there's perfect algebra problems written all over that board. I didn't have to erase once. At home, Edie and I show our test to Mama, and she says she's so glad we finally started studying like we should. Now, if only we could peel potatoes faster, that'd be nice. We show him to Pa, too, once he gets in from the fields. He looks at us real strange. How wonderful, he says. We run upstairs before he says anything more. It's like he knows, and I don't want him to know. I got this feeling he'd make luck leave if he found out. I don't want luck to leave. I like having luck around. I like it even though that night after Mama and Pa go to bed, me and Edie go to the attic and pound on each other while Luck watches. Even though it leaves bruises all over Edie's arms and all over my chest, even though it hurts so much, I almost pass out, and Edie starts to cry. We don't stop. We do anything for Luck. We go for hours. We pound and bruise and slam and cut. It hurts. It hurts. But we don't stop. Very good. Luck says. It's not a scary looking tonight. It looks more like a shadow than a blob or a hole. And shadows ain't scary. They're just places where the light don't reach. Luck runs its hands through our hair. It makes me feel even sicker, but I don't complain. I got a baseball game on Friday, and I want to win. Make a double play. Hit a grand slam. Not sit on the bench the whole time for once. And Edie, she's got a softball game, and she wants a grand slam, too. Stupid Edie, always wanting to be the same as me. Just because we're twins don't mean we got to be the same all the time. I want to hurt her again. Hurt and ye shall receive, says Luck. It's laughing, so I guess something's funny, but I don't know what it is. One day Luck gets tired of watching us. I want more, he says. I'm bored of you. We could go into town, Edie says. She's crying because I think I just broke her toe, but she won't say nothing, and neither will I. We won both our games this weekend. We're getting good grades for once. Amelia Simmons bought me a milkshake at lunch. Everybody's looking at us different, like we mean something. Like we ain't just Tom and Edie, those twins who live out on Hillside Farm. No, sir. We're Tom who gets hundreds on tests, and Edie who hits grand slams. Town, Luck says. He looks happy to hear that. He moves his head funny like a bird. And I started calling him a he because he looks more like a man now. He's still dark and fuzzy around the edges, and sometimes when he blinks, that tar drips out his eyelid, but he's mostly a man. He has a tall hat on, and he's skinnier even than me. I should very much like to go to town, Luck says. So we take him. And the first person we see, Luck points and says, That one. Hurt that one. We look. It's a girl from the junior high school walking her dog, I've seen her before, but I don't know her name. Edie frowns. But it's the middle of the day, she says. We can't just go up and start punching her. Someone will see. Luck says, not if we wait until she's somewhere hidden. I don't like this, I say. Oh. Oh, no. I, I didn't mean to. It just came out. Luck, don't be angry. Don't be angry, Luck. I didn't mean it. Luck looks at me long and hard. Edie looks at me even longer and harder. Don't ruin this for me, you idiot, Edie says. Don't make him mad. We need him. I'm sorry, Luck, I say. I'll do it. We'll do it. You had better, says Luck. Or I'll go somewhere else where my gifts are appreciated, 
And then where will you be? You'll be back in the rotten, no-good place you came from, Edie says to me. You'll go back to stupid, bad grades on the bench, idiot Tom, living on a farm, going nowhere. Is that what you want? Is that what you want for us, Tom? Tom, Luck says real soft. Tommy, Tom, Tom. No, I say. That's not what I want. So we follow the junior high girl through town and all the way to Thistledown Road, where it's quiet and the grass is high on either side. We chase her down. She starts screaming, and we run even faster. She sets her dog on us, and we dodge, and the dog runs right into Luck's open arms, and I don't see what happens to the dog after that. I don't want to, either. We're running faster than we've ever run before. Isn't this great, Tom? Edie says. She's laughing her head off. We're almost flying, she says. We're like superheroes. Ain't nothing hero about it. Luck is right on our heels. I think Luck's helping us run this fast, tell the truth. It ain't a good fast. It's like running from something in a bad dream. I guess it's like what the junior high girl feels with us getting closer and closer. We reach for her arms. We grab them. We pull hard. It ain't her fault she can't outrun us. She don't have luck on her side. We get home and eat dinner and go upstairs without saying a word to nobody. Mama don't notice because she ran into Miss Jackson at the supermarket and there's a whole scandal about Miss Jackson's son running off to the city or some such and Mama's happy as clam about it. Finally something's happening, she says, in this dull as mud town. Pa watches me and Edie from across the table. I don't like him looking at me. It's like he knows. It's like he saw us hit that girl. Just the one time is all it took for Luck to shiver and shake and roll around on the ground like he got an electric shock. When he stood back up, I could see his eyes real clear for the first time. They were dark and didn't have no white around them. I don't like Luck's eyes. Edie stood there twisting her hands. Oh, golly, Luck, she said. We shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have hurt that girl. She'll tell on us. She didn't see you, said Luck. He smoothed down his coat. He dusted off his tall hat. He kicked dirt off his boots. All she saw, he said, was her fear. Then he took our hands and led us home. And now we're sitting here across from Pa, trying to choke down cornbread, and I swear he knows what we've done. I almost say something. I can't help it. This ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't... Edie kicks me under the table. Stupid Tom. Stupid idiot Tom. I shut up. I don't see nothing. I ain't stupid idiot Tom with a smart sister no more. Not with luck around. So I don't act like it. At first when I wake up that night, I think it's Edie coming to get me because Luck said when he brought us home before dinner, he said, Darling children, I want you to come up and see me tonight. But we just hurt that girl for you, I said. Ain't that enough for today? Luck touched my arm. He squeezed tight till I couldn't breathe. It's never enough, he said. But it ain't Edie waking me up. It's Pa. Hurry, he says. Follow me. Where are we going? To the attic. I stopped cold. Why? Because I know what's going on, and it's going to stop tonight. Pa, ain't nothing. I ain't an idiot, Tom, and you ain't either. But I am an idiot, I say. Ain't no use lying. I ain't a good liar. 
Edie's the one who's good at lying. I need luck, I say. We're at the attic door, paws holding the cross from above the supper table like a gun. I ain't no good without him, I say. I'm crying. No, you got that wrong, Paul says. He leans down so I can see him. His face got crisscross lines all over it. He looks tired, but his eyes don't. You're a good boy, Paul says. He holds me tight. Where's Edie? She ain't coming with us. Why? Because she ain't strong enough. Ain't her fault. You could have been the weak one just as easy. I'm the mistake twin, I say. I'm still crying because that's what idiots do. I shouldn't be alive. That's right, says a voice. It's luck. You shouldn't be alive, he says. The attic door flies open. Pa holds out his cross in front of us. He's got it in one hand and me in the other. He rushes into the attic. Something's screaming. You again. You, you, you. Not again. Get that away from me. Get it away. Put it down. No, Pa says. I ain't putting it down. He grabs that heavy tin Edie dropped, the one Luck lived inside. It's so heavy Pa can barely lift it. Maybe with two hands he could lift it, but he can't let go of that cross. I know that without even asking. Tom, he says, help me get it outside. So much screaming and so much wind, books and clothes and boxes flying all over the attic. There's a kind of dark in here so thick it's like drinking cement. But we lift it together, me and Pa, and we get it outside. Luck follows us, and there's dirt flying in our eyes and the ground shaking under our feet, but if I look out into the fields, it's calm like springtime. It's a good thing we didn't stay in the attic. We might have brought the whole house down. I guess Pa knows that. How'd you know, Pa? I say. How'd you know what we done? It happened to me, too. He has to shout it, because Luck is screaming nasty words so loud I can't hardly think. When? I say. When I was a boy. Luck found me, too. You should have gotten rid of it, I say. So me and Edie couldn't find it. This tin, we found it with our toys. That's the thing, Paul says. He looks at me. I did get rid of it, Tom. Tom! Tom! Tommy, Tom, Tom! Where will you be without me, Tom? Don't listen, Pa says, real calm. We're by the creek now. He's got the tin in one hand and the cross in the other, and he's trying to bring them together like magnets that just won't go. There's sweat on his forehead, and his muscles are big like mine'll never be. I just know it. You're right, Tom, says Luck. He don't look like a man no more. He's all kinds of slime and glob. He's crawling on the ground. His hat ain't a hat no more. It's just a tall, tall head. You'll never be as strong as your pa. You're nothing without me. Your sister could maybe do it. She's smart enough. She's pretty enough. She could make it without me. Don't listen to it, says pa. He's sweating hard. He can't hardly breathe. It ain't nothing but tricks and lies, he says. Luck ain't real. Luck don't last. Don't listen to it, Luck says. He drips black on my feet. He's real close now. Don't listen to it. I need you, and you need me. Without me, you're nothing. Then Paul says, Okay, Tom. Okay, now. And I say to Luck, You got that backwards. And I'm crying, but I just don't care. And Paul slams his hands together, crossed to tin, and Luck shrinks into a smoking black piece of something burnt, and flies into the tin, and the lid slams closed. With luck gone, everything's quiet again. There's crickets in the grass and a coyote out somewhere by the foothills. 
And there's me and Paul staring at the tin on the ground like it's this thing you don't want to touch because if you do, it'll blow you to bits. What'll we do with it? I say. What'll we do without it? What'll we do without luck? That's the question I really feel like asking, but I know I probably shouldn't. I think of all the things I've done. I wonder if Pa done those things too when he was a boy. I wonder if anybody ever called him idiot or thought he was the dumb one. After a while, Paul says, we'll bury it, far from here, farther than I did the first time, deeper too. We're walking back to the house now, me and Pa. We grab two shovels from the barn. Me and Pa. Not Edie, not Mama. And Pa's looking at me like I ain't a boy no more. Real proud, he looks like. I bet you didn't count on that, did you, Luck? I bet you didn't see that coming. You thought I was nothing without you. You was wrong. I sling the shovel on my shoulder, just like Pa does. I liked having luck around, I say. It was nice. I know, he says. I did too. What'll we do without it? What if we never get it again? There, I said it. I know it's shameful, but I said it. Well, Pa says. We'll go to sleep. We'll wake up in the morning, he says. And then we'll get back to work. That was Claire Legrand reading her story, The Tin Man's Price. Thank you for listening to the Cabinet of Curiosities podcast. The podcast music was written and performed by Stefan Bachman. You can find more stories in our collection, The Cabinet of Curiosities, 36 Tales Brief and Sinister, published by Greenwillow HarperCollins. We also post fresh, disturbing stories each week at our website, enterthecabinet.com. This is curator Catherine Catmull. Join us next week for another spooky or horrifying or perhaps simply awfully creepy story. <laughs>